Okay, so uh, back at it. It is time for the Pistols Firing Podcast with your hosts, yours truly, Carson Cunningham. I mean, he's about as pretty as they get. Joined, as always, by Kyle Porter. When he breaks through and gets in the open, it's over. Gone. The Pistols Firing Podcast starts right now. Welcome back to another quarantine edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. Kyle Porter joins me from the shed. Kyle, are you shelter and placing in your shed? Yeah, the shed is a nice. Uh, all my all my friends who are now working from home are like, "Hey, uh, t- tell me more about that shed thing." <laughs> How do I get one of those? Can you come? Can you come build me one of those? Your own quiet place where you can avoid the all the distractions from you actually doing your job because you, you're still working hard from home i kind of come into the tv station late do the show and then leave so yeah, you're harder from home than i am we're grinding we're trying to make news talk to people do interviews so it's you know it's actually been i was telling somebody today it's been kind of fun because you know we're, we're doing some more stuff on here than usual we had Mike Boynton and, and Joey Graham last week had, um, or we're having Dave Hunzacker today. And then we got a, a couple of good ones lined up for later in the week. So I think that part of it kind of pushing us toward more, um, I don't know. I just original stuff is, has, has been fun. Yeah. It's certainly been an interesting time and you've done a really good job of, of getting this, the site still site still the, the website's still churning along it's, yeah it's like nothing skipped hadn't skipped a beat i think it's a testament to you and all the all the good staffers and writers you have but another guy we want, we're going to talk to Kyle, uh dave hunzacker's life's been turned upside down for He's sure no longer calling basketball games and uh he calls baseball games on tv a lot for osu so his his job's totally been turned upside down so we're gonna we're gonna talk to him but first we need to hear from chris's university spirit yeah chris's university spirit uh, is sponsoring this week's guest, Dave Hunzacker. Uh, Chris's is your one-stop cowboy shop on campus corner. Be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Uh, we're actually giving away a couple of gift cards, Carson, to uh, Chris's. We wanted to support them. They've been a long-time sponsor. So there's a uh, there's some posts on our forum, forum.pistolsfiringblog.com. And all you have to do is, uh, I think that one is, you have to put in your favorite OSU game ever. You just write down your favorite game. That's it. And you're automatically entered. We're going to give away uh, a $50 gift card every Friday for the foreseeable future. So that's one of, I think three giveaways that we have going right now on the forum. So get involved there and let's hear from Dave. Dave Hunzacker, voice of the Oklahoma state Cowboys. Uh, Dave, how have you been spending your, uh, your quarantine time, your time uh, away from sports and, and kind of uh, at home what what have you been what have you been doing and and what has that been like well you know really just trying to kind of figure out well, number one try to remember what day it is that's been a challenge but the last week we got into some projects we put the 1995 elite eight basketball radio broadcast on the air with bill tegans and tom dorado which did a little bit of work on that we've got some other interviews that'll come out on social that i did via zoom and so we're starting to get into some of those projects right now but Probably the biggest thing for me, as much as anything, is support my wife. Uh, she's a director of the ICU at Stillwater Medical Center, and so mm. she is right in the middle of this with her staff. And so uh, whatever I can do to support her. So uh, dinner, laundry, cleaning, 
making sure everything's taken care of. A lot of long days for her. So my big focus is her right now. And, uh, you know, so far uh, they seem to be doing as well as you would expect. And, uh, and so you just, you just kind of big thing for me is stay, stay positive, stay supportive of her because she's, she's got a lot coming at her, but so far her and her staff, they, they seem to be, they seem to be doing pretty well with it as well as you can. What's your go-to for cooking dinner, Dave? You know, it could be any of any of a number of things. It's funny because I made out a menu this week, and then I put on there that the PTA was also having a meeting. It looked like a school lunch menu. So I said, <laughs> the PTA is also having a meeting at 7, and bring your money for the book fair earlier next week. And uh, <laughs> so everybody got a kick out of that. It could be any of a number of things. There's a Tex-Mex chili that I like to make, but we have a rule that has to be so cool in order to do it. So later this week, I'll pull that one out. That's kind of popular. Um, I found a, uh, I, I'm a, I, I really, there's a marinade for a, a cedar plank salmon. That's really good that my wife ran across. I'll throw that on the grill. Uh, yeah, those, those are probably two of my favorites, you know, and just different types of vegetables to make up and fun stuff like that. Oh, what my, my, what would, I'm trying to think what my favorite that's terrible for you would be. Oh, there's a lot that goes into that category. It, it's left to my own just do what I want. It, it, it's like a frat party because Lord only knows what I'm going to eat. I mean, it could be <laughs> chef, it could be Chef Boyardee ravioli in a can. It could be Underwood chicken spread. I mean, Lord, Lord only knows. I mean, but <laughs> I don't make my family eat that stuff. I try to I try to offer them something at least a little bit uh, <laughs> a little bit yeah, with a little bit of benefit to it. But if it's just me, Lord knows. Yeah, the the quarantine has not been good for my my diet. I just get bored and just start eating. I've just been eating all day no. every day. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Dave is, is still is Stillwater kind of a ghost town right now with with everything. I, to me, it would I haven't been up there since all this has happened. But to me, it's got to be kind of like when you take summer school classes and you're walking a class and no one's outside. What's what's the vibe like there in there in Stillwater? I'll tell you what, it's probably more like uh, Carson. It's probably more like Christmas break. Okay. Because this place, once the last basketball game is over, yeah, prior to Christmas break, this place is a ghost town over Christmas. As people in Stillwater know, I mean, there is nobody here, and it's it's more that type of vibe. I think uh, you don't see a lot of people on the road uh, with good reason, uh, because people are to stay home. Not that, and I really haven't been out much to be honest. But you. You know, you see people out walking, and, uh, you know, my daughter and her boyfriend have gone to Boomer Lake and walked a lot, and you see a lot of folks out there and people being respectful and maintaining the social distancing. Uh, you know, you see a few people on the golf course. There's still that, uh, which in Stillwater, that's still allowed. I know the, there's some discussion about, uh, as, as we record this, about some changes in the Stillwater city policy and I don't know if golf will stay exempt or not. Hopefully it will. As long as people respect the social distancing, it's easy in golf to forget. Uh, and I've played, I guess, just once. And uh, so you just got to make sure you, you follow that. There's a reason it's in place. So you need to stick with it. Um, but, yeah, it's there's not a whole lot going on. I mean, pretty much everything is shut down, as you would expect, except for your non-essentials. I mean, your places like Ulton, uh TJ Maxx and places like that are all shut down. So it's, it's, it's pretty strange. It's, it's definitely, <laughs> you know, it's definitely unusual times when you drive into town. 
You know, the, the speaking of unusual times, the last three weeks have just been really, really weird, starting with the, the Big 12 tournament. And, and I know you were on top of a lot of that stuff because you were there and, and kind of <laughs> experiencing it all firsthand. I, I'm curious about just what the, the, the part of your job that you're like, man, I really miss that. You know, I, I know you you've come on here and just talked about how much you enjoy your job. But is there one specific part that you're like, God, I just really miss getting to do that day to day? I miss the people. And, you know, it's, you know, this time of year it's baseball and I miss the people you see at the gate when you come in, you know, miss Linda, that's been the media, uh, coordinator at the gate for all the various sports forever. I miss seeing her and her sister. I miss seeing the people that sell the concessions and the people that grill the hamburgers and, you know, the, the diamond dolls and you walk in that you're offering a program. I don't take one because I've got more and enough information on all the guys. I'd just be stealing one from somebody else. And, and just seeing, and then, of course, the players and coaches and just hanging around the batting cage and talking to the guys. Baseball is so laid back that way. It's so much fun. and You, you really get to know the guys and their guard is down, especially after you've been a, around for a while. You just miss the people. Uh, that, that's what you really, that's what I really miss. And and hanging out with TH, that's probably, of all the people, you know, given the time of year it is, that's what I really miss. He's so much fun. We have so much fun together and just random baseball discussions on and off the air and learn so much from him. And, yeah, I really miss hanging out with him. And, you know, you stop and think about it. Of course, we could still be playing basketball right now, uh, depending on how things would have turned out. But, yeah, I, I really miss all the people. That's, that's the biggest thing. I don't know what Carson was going to ask, but I'm curious, you know, you're talking about getting to know, um, you know, being around different guys and guys being open with you. And I, I know that you have a lot of information that you probably can't make public when you go on the air, when you're broadcasting these events. I'm curious about how you make the decision, how you make the call of what you should say on the air and what you're just supposed to keep to yourself as, as something that is, uh, you know, not something that everybody needs to know. It, that's a great question, and I think what it comes down to is when in doubt, don't say it. Um, you know, and a lot of times if it's something that's questionable, I'll just ask guys. Uh, I'll literally just ask them, do you want that out there or not? Yeah. And they'll tell me. And it's like, and certainly with coaches, that happens all the time, uh, and, and particularly with football, because Coach Gundy with, with injuries and so forth, and I'll kind of let you guys in on a secret. Uh we kind of had a have a rule with him. He 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 pretty well lets us know everything. When I go in on Thursday mornings, it's open season with him. Before we roll the, uh, I don't really roll the tape anymore. Before we record the <laughs> pregame interview and say roll the tape, geez, that shows how old I am. But at any rate, you know, and I just ask, I just ask him like, okay, do you want us to mention this particular injury, or would you rather us not? And pretty much the rule is this. Once we go on the air, it's open season. Yeah. Um, there are occasions when he'll ask us, like, hey, can you wait till warm-ups on that one? It's like, sure, whatever you say, we'll do it. But he trusts us to present it the right way, and we don't burn him on that. And, and sometimes, to be honest, the national people will get something, and they'll go, on the, they'll go on the air with it because they don't have the ramifications. They don't, you know, Mike Gundy couldn't drive over to his house and, and, and throw a bucket <laughs> of mud on your car. I mean, he can't do that to Herb Street. He could do it to me and also get me fired. So that would also be a problem. But, yeah, so it's a lot of it's judgment. But if it's something really sensitive, I'll ask. And sometimes family things come up. Um, 
you know, where they've shared some background about something about their family. And it's like, okay, do you, you want me to, how do you want me to handle that? Do you want, do you want me, you sure you want me to say that? Sometimes I'll ask that. It's like, you sure you want me to say that? And sometimes it's yes. And sometimes no. And then even simple things like Trevor Boone, a couple of years ago, we were standing around a cage and we were asking him about, did he, I said, did you take a bunch of intercession classes to get ahead? So a lot of those baseball guys do, they'll take couple of intercession classes online at Christmas break so they don't have to take much in the spring and then that counts toward their spring course load so that they maintain full-time status and eligibility and he said no I can't do that I've got to work so I can pay for school I said oh what'd you do he said I'm a plumber it's like what you're a plumber he's like yeah I'm an apprentice so he gets into all this then I tell him how my washing machine is kind of stinking and he's like well I know what the problem is I come fix it. I said, no, you really can't. That's an NCAA violation. I appreciate the offer, but no, you can't. So, I, but I asked him, I said, do you mind if I talk about that? He's like, heck no, I'm proud of it. I'm good at it. Yeah. And so it was a great TV story. That's and awesome. Even things like that, yeah, just to double check, but that, that's one of my all time favorites, but I'll never forget. It's like, yeah, my stupid washer stinks. <laughs> like I'm halfway through the cycle and it stinks. He's like, Oh, I know exactly what's wrong. He said, I come over and fix it. I said, no, 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 you can't. NCAA won't let you do that. But anyway, yeah, it's just got to be really careful. I'm I'm very cautious about that. I'm not going to say anything unless I feel like uh, it's appropriate, and then I'm will always ask. Yeah, that's that's really funny. I'm curious about you know, and and I think you're right. Like it, it's about presenting things in a way that you know. I I think I think coaches and players understand that you have a responsibility and, and, and somebody like me, I have a responsibility to get information to fans and to people who are tuning into this stuff. And, and I, I just, I guess I want to know like how you, how you kind of signal or, or what the, what the marker was for, for, for earning that trust with different coaches. And, and maybe it, maybe it's different with different guys over time, but it, is that just a, is that a longevity thing? How are you able to earn that trust with those coaches and players over a long period of time? That's another really good question. And, and some coaches, it's really hard to develop that no matter how hard you try. Um, Mike Gundy had known me when he was an assistant here. And I think that helped. And I'll tell you what really helps. And, and of course this makes it hard for people that aren't in our shoes. I think for us, when you can attend practice sessions and over time, nothing gets out, you're not talking about it because they've asked you not to. And even if, even if that's not a rule, but you just show up at practice sessions and you show how much you care and you show with your preparation, how much you prepare, how much you care about what you do, then that starts to build the credibility really fast because they realize, Hey, this guy's around, he's here, he cares. You know, he has a good attitude about things. He's not taking cheap shots. Uh, And there's ways that you can say things and tell the truth without it just coming off as really negative. You can tell the truth, but you just, you don't, you, it's, it's like parenting probably, I guess you do it in a way that you want to get the point across, but at the same time, you want to be fair and and you don't want to come off as just bashing somebody. There's ways to do that. Um, and, and sometimes it can be really soft-hearted. You know, sometimes I'll say on the air, it's like, well, I'll bet he wishes he could do that one again. <laughs> well, that's – read between the lines. Yeah. It, the guy probably just really just 
kind of just threw up all over himself, whatever yeah. he was doing. He probably yeah. just did that, but I didn't say he threw up all over. It's like, eh, he probably wishes he could do that one again. And I think it's a soft sell, but I think all of us in whatever it is that we do, that's something we all can relate to. It's like, yeah, boy, I wish I could do that again. I mean, it's like when I'm trying to do a home improvement project and I like <laughs> cut the deck in half because I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> boy, I wish I could do that again. And my wife says, I'm a lot better at this than you are. So no, you will not be doing it again. Actually, I will just do it. So we have a unique marriage. She's, she's, she's great with tools and she's tough mentally. And I'm not sure how I got her or where I fit in the mix, but I'm here. So the way it goes. But anyway, it's kind of an interesting deal. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. And I think that, you know, that's one of my, that's something that I've had to learn over time, you know, jumping into this, this job and this role in kind of a non-traditional way, I didn't, I didn't really understand the read between the lines thing. And I think it's a sign of, I think it's a sign of just having been in it for a while and, and having a maturity. Yeah. And, and I think, I think, you know, I, I'm glad you said that about practice because I think that's true. And that's one of my big regrets about, so I live in, in Dallas, kind of North of Dallas. And right. uh, I love living here. I love the community that we have here, but one of my, frustrations about being here and not in Stillwater is that I can't engender that trust because I'm just physically unable to be at a lot of stuff. Now we have guys that are at things and I, and, and I think you're totally right. You're able to build those relationships just by, just by hanging around, like hanging around after practice and talking to people, you know? And I think that's, I think that's a real thing that is one of the underrated um, ways to, to kind of have success in this business. And I think it's another, there's also a fine line there. For example, I love to play golf. Played with your dad last fall. We had a great time. It's the first time I played with him. Yeah. Well, he can play. Uh, yeah, he's a pretty good player. Uh, so let's say, for example, go out to the golf course, and, and Casey Dunn loves to play. And, oh, my gosh, he can hit it 800 miles. <laughs> I mean, he can really play. I mean, he's a big-time athlete. Well, you know, one thing I'll try to do is feel out does he really want this some time alone or does he want me to play? And sometimes I'll just, I will, I'll, we'll just visit for a moment. And then if he asks me to come along, you know, maybe we'll play it a little bit. And then we'll only talk football as he brings it up. You know, so that's another part of yeah. that equation. We respect their time away yeah. because still water being small, you're going to run into those guys. And a lot of times it's just a casual, hi, how you doing? Smile and, and, and carry on. And if you are hanging out, yeah, because there is a fine line. You want to have those relationships. It's it's different, guys, at this level than it is, say, at Western Kentucky or Radford. And here's how it's different. At a place like Western, as the radio play-by-play guy, you may only be, you may be about the only media source out there that's trumpeting the program or even covering it to any extent. And so you function almost totally, completely as a PR guy for the football, basketball programs, and right. they turn their coaches. Right. And in many cases, you're working in the athletic department. I was in administration as well as doing the games at both Western and Radford. And so it's different. I mean, gosh, I was at Dennis Felton's house, the coach at Western Kentucky. I mean, my goodness, I got the assistant coach, Ken McDonald's parrot drunk. The parrot drank beer. They said, Hunzi, give it beer. So I gave it like three swallows. I was only supposed to give him like one drink, and the parrot started <laughs> bobbling on my shoulder. It's like... His wife, Angie, who played at – Kenny played at Providence. Uh, he was on Haystaff. Now he's with Barnes. He's back with Barnes who he played for at Providence. He's at Tennessee with him now. He's having big shindigs over his house. I got 
I gave the bird like three, four drinks, and Angie said, you got Bianca drunk? I said, well, you told me to give it beer. So I said, well, not four drinks. So the bird's wobbling around. So I got the bird drunk. See, I, that, I wouldn't do that here. See, I wouldn't get a bird drunk in Stillwater. Probably not in too small of a town. You can't get away with it. But, no, my point is you were involved socially with those guys. Yeah. And they were a big part of the of your existence. At this level, that's not really the case, and it's probably not a good idea. Right. And, and honestly, here's why. Because it's, it gets so political. Yeah. And you have to be really careful politically because here's the thing. If you're the coach's advocate, I mean, and I say advocate, I'm an advocate for Gundy. Of course I am, in a big, big way. But sometimes it gets tricky. Let's go back to when Travis Ford got let go. Yeah. You know, Travis and I had a great relationship, as I did with John. But, but you have to be careful. You want to defend him, but you also have to be very real and say, this isn't working out. Right. If you get too close to them, then you lose sight of that. Yep. And, and so you have to kind of maintain a little bit of a distance. Now, I'm going to hold up for my coaches to the nth degree. Of course I am. But you have to be careful not to get too close because at the end of the day, you work for the athletic director and you work for the fans. And you know what? Coaches at this level have done it long enough. They get it. Travis yeah. was so good at the end. He understood where we were, and he understood that it didn't work out, and he told us. He's like, gosh, I wish I could do some things over. This would have turned out differently. And uh, he was so good at the end, guys. He really was. Stayed in touch with him. Um, and as he's at St. Louis with a little different environment, little different circumstances, he's done just fine. I knew he would. I, yeah. I knew if he got to the right place, he'd do just fine. But that's an example. You you have to have really close relationships, but honestly, you have to be careful that they're not too close because let's even say with a coordinator, you, you, you just, and I'm pause, pardon me for rambling, but you, you have a close relationship with a coordinator. Well, suddenly he and the head coach get sideways. You don't want to get caught in a deal where you're picking sides. Right. Yeah. That's You can't do that. I mean, if you do, it's just a matter of time. One of, the, one of these days you'll pick the wrong side and you'll have no side. You'll be done. So, yeah, it's, it's a very interesting topic. It's a very interesting part of, uh, of this job that is unique when you're the voice of a team. It's, it's managing relationships. It's always having your ears to the ground, understanding what's going on, what everybody's thinking, and then trying to kind of decide what the message should be. And, and, and you know, obviously it needs to be an accurate message, but, but what is it? You know, what, what are you going to say? You mentioned home improvement, Dave. I apologize for the uh, technical difficulties. I need to do some home improvement on my microphone and my, my laptop, <laughs> but I think we got it working now. Do I sound okay? Yeah, yeah you're good. Because you had a bad teacher for your broadcasting class. That's what <laughs> if, I'd have done a better, if I'd have done a better job, that, you took my first class I taught here. Number one, it's a wonder you're alive. It's wonder the provost actually lets you count it toward graduation. <laughs> I don't think I had any idea what I was doing. No, it was fantastic. I, I still remember those days. You, you did a great job. We were we were the guinea pigs, and I'm sure you've got a well-oiled machine now as a professor at Oklahoma State. Uh, the question I was trying to ask you when my mic got cut out yeah. was, Mike Boynton just seems so impressive. He's super thoughtful. He's super sharp. He just Every time you hear the guy talk, he just impresses the heck out of you. What's it like dealing with him? What's it like being around him? And do you think he can ultimately get Oklahoma State basketball back to where the fans believe it should be and, and, and the history tells us it should be? I'll tell you a story about him that shows how unique he is. So let's see. I think it was two years ago. Let me, let me think about this. Would that be right? Two years ago, yes. 1998, 
was the only year that Radford made the NCAA tournament when I was there. Got hot at the end of the year, hit a shot at the buzzer to win the conference tournament, team full of seniors, unbelievably good guys. One was an academic All-American, has a Ph.D. I mean, just, just fabulous. Well, they were having their reunion at Radford. It's about midway through conference season, and I had got back in touch with a lot of those players that I hadn't heard from and some of the members of the coaching staff, some who recruited the players and had left, and others who were there for their actual playing careers. And, and there have been all these exchanges with these guys. And Mike, having coached at Coastal Carolina and Wofford in South Carolina, knows a lot of these people. And so there's a lot of mutual friendships. So I was telling Coach, you know, at the radio show during a break, I said, you know, guys, this would be awesome. I said, you know, I wish I could go to that reunion uh, Saturday and see those guys. It sure be a lot of fun, but that's all right. I'm getting reconnected with them. So we had to go back on the air, and we finished the show, and he takes off his headset. And he says, the next time something like that comes up, you need to go. I said, well, Coach, we got a game Saturday. I, we, I never leave my team. I have a job I have to do. I got got to, that's what I do. And he's like, that happens again. You need to go. Well, we, we can, you know, it'll be fine. If you miss a game, you've got my blessing. You need to do that. Cause you may never get a chance to do that again. Yeah. <laughs> you know how many coaches in my career have ever said anything like that? He'd be the only one. Yeah. They don't, they, they don't think that way. Number one, most of the time, and I don't mean this as a criticism, it's just reality. They have so much on their mind all the time. You know, it's hard for them to even sometimes process what you're saying. And I don't mean to make them look bad that way. I really don't. It's just they have so much going on that when they get a free moment, they're trying to figure out how they can solve problem one out of a list of 37 that need to be resolved in 24 hours. That's their that's their world. But it was so thoughtful. And I was like, I can't believe he just said that. Yeah, I've never I guy that would never happen. He's just so thoughtful. You know, it's you know just so pleasant to be around, and the radio shows with him are a blast because it's just like sitting there with a friend having a conversation. Mm-hmm. It's so easy, yeah. and I love that part of my job. And can he get it going? I mean, you know, he's he's done a wonderful job of getting players, and what you're seeing is he's gaining some momentum in in just getting the feel of being a head coach. Look at how they adjusted this year you know, after the tough start, changed offensively, became so much more oriented toward trying to get to the rim, kind of got Cam McGriff finally, I think, into a mode where Cam understood, look, you do your damage 15 feet and in. On occasion, a three is okay, but there was kind of the the unofficial embargo of no more than three-point field goal attempts in a game. Uh, and that was because, I'll share this stat now, but I had added this up against Big 12 teams, this was as of the A&M game uh, there at the SEC Challenge. As of the A&M game in the previous year and a half against Big 12 opponents, Oklahoma State was 1-16 when he attempted more than three threes. Wow. Oh, man. And, that, and, I, and I shared that with Coach Boynton, and I, I think he'd been kind of working on that point with Cam, and I think he, he may, I don't know if he used the stat, I think he did just to kind of convey, hey, this is real. And, you know, but just things like that, he's, he's gaining a lot of feel uh, that just requires experience. And so as he continues to gain that feel and getting players, he's just been such a skilled recruiter. 
I think there's a lot of momentum here. And it's too bad we didn't get to finish the year out. I would have liked to have seen what might have happened. But he's, you know, he's so good with relationships. He's so good relating to today's generation. I think that's a huge part of it. He's not an old school guy. He's kind of a renaissance guy in terms of how he handles his players and how he manages relationships. And I think it's a huge advantage for him in recruiting. I think he relates to these guys differently than most coaches do. And I think it's a big advantage. Yeah. We, I, I actually have a similar story. I, uh, talking about just relationship with Boynton, there was, um, there was a game earlier this year. We, we had a guy at, I mean, just our guy covering stuff in Stillwater and, he was he walked into a presser and he had been out for a couple of days with a he was sick and had to stay home. I think he had the flu or something. This was pre uh pandemic. Um and you yeah. know, Boynt Boynton just sought him out and said, Hey, how how are you feeling? Are you feeling better? Are you doing okay? And yep. and it's like it's like, look, you're trying to make the NCAA tournament, you're trying to beat Iowa State, you're trying to recruit and to do something like that. And, and I know it sounds silly because it's such a small thing, but it's not a small thing because of everything else that you have going on. So I'm with you. I'm, I'm super impressed by just the way he carries himself and, and his thoughtfulness. And it, it, it's pretty cool to, uh, to witness. Yeah, it is. And you know, it's just, he understands there's bigger things and, and, and we'll have conversations and sometimes texts about different things. And, he he just he sees that the world is bigger than just the basketball team he's coaching, yeah. or college basketball in general. He he sees that he understands that he believes that, and it was interesting, guys. When we <laughs> this is a funny story. There's so many goofy things that happened after we beat Ole Miss in uh, Brooklyn. You know, we were trying to get back to the hotel. We were flying out the next morning so we could get back for. The team was going to get back, and we'd be back in plenty of time for Bedlam. So they had an Uber lined up, and uh, John and I and Brendan Manzer are walking over toward uh, walking out of the arena, and here comes Mike's dad. So he was coming back to the hotel as well. I said, "Shoot, hop in the Uber with us." He said, "Well, I've got one coming. I'll cancel it." So we get in this Uber, and this Uber is headed toward the Brooklyn Bridge. Well, that's not the direction of the hotel. It's like, wait a second, you're supposed to take us to the Hilton. He's like, well, I'm going to Manhattan. So he drops us off at the foot of the Brooklyn Bridge, and we walk. Oh, gosh, it was probably 40 minutes to the hotel, but we gave us a chance to visit with Mike's dad. And we hit one of those dollar pizza slice stands at 1 in the morning. It was awesome. <laughs> so worked out great. Pizza was good. Of course, I would have eaten a shoe. I was so hungry it wouldn't have mattered. Yeah. But at that point, it, I was starving, but – you know, investing with him, you see exactly why he's the way he is. Yeah. And mm -hmm. he told the story of, you know, the, the NBA guys, he, he, some NBA people had talked to him about Mike possibly playing professional. And one of the NBA people said, your son's not, he's not mean enough. He's not nasty enough. Mm. You know, he said, you got, this guy said, you got to be a jerk. And then Mike's dad told, said that he told the guy, I said, well, I guess he won't be a pro then. <laughs> Because <laughs> that's he, not who he is. And yeah. so I guess he won't be a pro. And yeah. just very matter of factly. And yeah, his when you hang hanging out with his dad, you realize exactly why he's the way he is. It's pretty cool. That's a cool story. Uh, Dave, we do have a bit of news this week. I guess the, the Naismith Hall of Fame will be announcing on April 4th uh, their, their inductees this year. Once again, Eddie Sutton is a finalist. 
feels like we get our hopes up every single year, Dave. Uh, what sense do you have? Do you think they'll finally come to their senses and do the right thing? Or just what are your thoughts on that? You know, I'm sure hoping they do. You know, one thing I have to admit that I did not know is how NBA-driven the Hall has become in recent years. Yeah. Tim Wells was sharing that with me earlier this season. We were visiting about it before one of the games. Of course, Tim coached at uh, Providence and is now doing a lot of Big 12 games for ESPN. And he said, you know, the NBA got involved and really rescued the Hall of Fame from some tough financial times. And so it's really taken on in recent years a pretty big NBA flavor. But at some point, it's just got to happen. And it needs to happen sooner rather than later for obvious reasons. Uh, yeah, I hope so. You know, I don't really have a, 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 you know, any information one way or the other, but I sure hope it gets done. And it's too bad because, you know, prior to all of that happening, when the Hall of Fame took on more of an NBA slant, I think in, in a previous era, he'd have been a slam dunk and been in immediately, but the, the dynamics of all that changed, but hopefully it gets done. Yeah, yeah, that's not. that's an interesting twist on on just the the way it's all kind of played out. You're right; it has become very NBA centric. Because look on on paper, there's there's no question he's a Hall of Famer. So it's just been so confusing for me, and I'm sure Kyle feels the same way. Yeah, no, I I definitely agree. And and uh, you know, speaking of Eddie Sutton, we went back, uh, Dave, recently. Carson and I watched the uh, the OSU St. Joe's game from '04, and yeah. just kind of talked about that. I'm curious about. I want to go actually away from that because we've been talking about it a lot. And just what's what's one NCAA tournament game that you just left an impression on you that you remember over the last you know twenty years? I, I know you got there. I think after the two thousand, the Desmond Gottlieb run, but you had some. There were some runs in oh four, oh five. Uh, obviously, beating Tennessee in what was that oh nine or oh ten, whenever that was. I, I'm I'm curious about oh, what's nine. what's one that that sticks out to you. You know, you know, if we're you know separating the Final Four run, and we'll just put it in its own place and take it off the board, um, I'll, I'll identify two. Uh, because Ivan McFarland was was always probably a little bit, I don't know that underappreciated is the word, but he never received. The, you know, he was not the first guy you thought of on those great Oklahoma State teams of that era. And when they beat Southern Illinois in the second round in Oklahoma City, and Ivan scored like 28, 30 points, whatever it was, the the, <laughs> the end of the game, and they're taking him, I think, to do network TV, so he's walking all the way across the floor, and he is waving to people like he's the Grand Marshal of the Rose Parade. I'll <laughs> never forget him looking, at, look, almost like he's making eye contact as he turns his head one part of the arena, he's waving and smiling. He looks at the part of the arena, he's waving and smiling, and I'm thinking, this is so awesome, because this is a guy that does all the dirty work. You know, he was a, you know, he had the, he was a, a, a non-qualifier, uh, was not eligible that first year, and had to sit out. He got the year back by doing well academically, and what a great success story. But oh my gosh, I, he may have blown kisses. I just remember the smile on <laughs> his face. And it was like he was a grand marshal of the Rose Parade. He's being, you know, he's being, uh, he's having his gubernatorial inauguration. I think he could have been the governor that day because he played <laughs> so well. So that's, that's one. That was just such an awesome image. And then another one, kind of an, another individual note, 
was a win over Pennsylvania in 2003 when Victor Williams scored 26. You know, Victor was not a scorer. He could score, but he was not a big scorer like that. You know, everybody in the world was picking Pennsylvania to upset us. We were a six seed, and they were an 11, and they were a really popular pick. And, you know, we had kind of been hit and miss down the stretch, and so everybody thought Oklahoma State would lose. And, you know, he scored 26, and Pennsylvania, before it was really in vogue, they were changing defenses mid-possession, and they a lot of times would switch from man to zone or zone to man at the end of possession. Well, Vic had a solution for that. He'd be handling the ball, and they'd switch defense. He's like, I'll just shoot. Next thing you know, he had 26 and, uh, <laughs> and won the game. But just a, And again, a guy that maybe was a, was a little bit uh, under the radar in terms of attention, but was an important part of the team, and he had his day, in his case, in the Boston Garden, uh, with all the lights shining brightly, those those are ones that those are ones that really stand out. Those were fun ones. Those are those are fantastic. Victor, one of the more popular players, and certainly Ivan McFarland too. He's just he's still to this day just just beloved for all the all the reasons you mentioned. Dave, we've we've taken up way too much of your time. We really appreciate you uh, coming on the podcast, and it was a thrill taking your class when I was in college, and it's a thrill having you as the voice of of OSU athletics. So we we really appreciate your time. Oh, it's my pleasure. I and you know what? We're, we're just going to play through this day by day. I, it's I've had my moments where I've really, really struggled, and, and just mainly because you know I'm I'm a professional warrior. I wish I, I wish I'd have never gone pro in the worrying <laughs> department. I should have stayed amateur, but I went pro, so I'm fighting that a little bit. But uh, I think for all of us, you know, some working, some not. I, I think I'm trying to just think of it like this. My job is to uplift everybody else so we can yeah. all pull together. So that's that's the way I'm approaching it. It's just all we, that's all we can do right now because there's a lot of things we can't do. So that's I'm trying hard to approach it that way. Yeah, for sure. And hey, uh, don't give my dad any strokes. He's lying about his handicap. Whatever he told you. Oh it's... heck, no, he's not getting any strokes. No way. <laughs> not after that experience. <laughs> you know, he can get his as my old car used to say. He can get his shots at the doctor. hey enjoy your time dave and uh we'll talk soon thanks a lot oh you bet thanks for having me guys this was fun talk to you later you dave thanks guys take care you too too. bye bye the the goat dave (laughs) hunsacker he's the best isn't he yeah i mean you know, I just, I, it's funny because we kind of text back and forth while we're talking and I, I just, I just texted you like 10 minutes ago. Just Dave's the best. I love it when he cracks himself up. Love it when he tells <laughs> stories. It's just, you know, it's so much of this podcast is predicated upon, you know, just OSU history and the context that you and I have because we've followed it so long and, and he's right there. You know, he, he's followed it certainly closer than we have because he's had such a front row seat. Uh, maybe not for as long, just because we grew up with it. But uh, he—he's just—he's really smart, and he really—he's uh, just fun to talk to about all this stuff. Yeah, he's a blast. I mean, I could—he's just—he's such a genuine, nice person. Like he's—he's he's one of the nicest human beings I've ever come in contact with. And I'm not yeah. just saying that because he came on the podcast. He's just—he doesn't have a bad bone in his body he's just a nice guy he's he's so generous with his time to to join us and and you're right man he's he's been at osu a long time he's seen a lot of stuff you know he just thinking about 
those that St. Joe's game and everything else, like he got to be around Eddie Sutton. Like how long ago does it seem Eddie Sutton was the, the coach of OSU? And I'm sure he's got a million stories about about being around Eddie and those teams. So that that was a lot of fun to hear. Just those two little tidbits about iMac and and Victor. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, let's come back with our biggest takeaway from the interview, and uh, then we'll wrap with a preview of the rest of the week. But first, one more time, Chris's University Spirit. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma, is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head-to-toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly, shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson, what was your uh, biggest takeaway from talking to uh, to Dave Hunsacker today? Probably the the Boynton tidbit about telling him telling uh, Dave to go to the the reunion at yeah. Radford. I mean, and you kind of touched on this too, just how he how he pulled Marshall aside. You know, the college basketball coaches have a million things going yeah. on, and yeah. handlers to help them know what all's going on, and. Dave's right. How many coaches would tell their play-by-play guy to go do something else on on game day? I mean, that's that's such a that's such a thoughtful thing to to allow you know your play-by-play guy go go to a reunion because he to me it, it speaks to the person that that Boynton is and we all know that he's he's super impressive and I thought that was an interesting story. I hadn't I hadn't heard that. Yeah, mine was actually the the Travis Ford stuff. You know, I I I, I think that. You know, you and I, and I think everybody in OSU world has has kind of talked kindly about Travis Ford, just because. I mean, especially ever since he's left, he always does the remember the ten thing, and he just has kind of like handled himself pretty well in the in the aftermath of of what went down in Stillwater, and to hear somebody who was really close to it, like Dave, talk kind of the same way, and maybe even more so. I thought that was pretty interesting because I I don't. Um, I don't know. I mean, you never know with that stuff, but to hear him, I mean, he, he, he doesn't, sometimes you, 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 you talk about guys because like, you don't want to trash a guy when you're like in the middle of stuff, like if he's still the coach or whatever, but he, he there's nothing that like Dave Hunsecker owes Travis Ford. So the fact that he's still talking about him like that, I, I think that's pretty cool and says a lot about, uh, I mean, both Dave, but also Travis Ford as well. Yeah. I mean, that, to me, Kyle, it was interesting to to hear Dave, you know, be honest about it and say, look, as as much as I like Travis, it wasn't working out. You know, some some play by play guys tied to a school wouldn't want to admit that or be yeah. that that professional and that because like as as great of a guy as Dave is, he certainly is. He's also a pro's pro, like he is a professional broadcaster and he has credibility and he knows that he has to tell it like it is. Some, I mean, and and he was honest about how it ended with Travis and. And I think everyone wanted it to work with Travis. Travis really, Travis Ford really did every. He tried to make it work. He was out in the community. He was trying to rally the. He did everything in his power. And just sometimes coaches at a certain place just don't work out, and that's what happened. And it is cool though. I think that's why Travis is still held in such high regard from everyone in Stillwater. Like he, he did all the right things. He just didn't win enough games. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
Okay. I think that's, I think that's all I got. I mean, I was going to, so the question that I wanted to ask Dave, but we kind of ran out of time there was, okay, see, Dave and I are putting together a list of the most underrated basketball players in Oklahoma State history. And we're basically just trading emails and like sending each other uh, guys back and forth. I don't know what we might go to 10. We might go to, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how long we're going to go. But I wanted Dave's take on that just because he probably remembers. I don't know. He probably remembers guys that we might not think of. Um, so right now, I want to get your input on this, actually. So right now, uh, Dave, OKC Dave, not Dave Hunsucker, led with Mo Baker. I responded with LeBron Nash. And then he just went with uh, Adrian Peterson, the original Adrian Peterson. Ooh, who, 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 would you, who would you throw in there following that? Man, those are really good ones. Um, I think Ivan McFarlane's so underrated by everyone that he's properly rated. Like he's everyone's favorite player just because he wasn't the main guy on those teams. Yeah, you know, he needed all the dirty work, like Dave mentioned. But he's almost too underrated for this list, and he's not quite as good as some of those players you mentioned. Right. Um, the first name that actually popped into my head was. You know, I was trying to think of guys just no one even mentions anymore. But, and this guy isn't certainly as good as, as Adrian Peterson. I think Adrian Peterson might be the best one. In fact, people don't even like talk about him. He was and sick. He was, he, was, he was unbelievably good. But a guy that popped into my head that no one ever talks about that I, I really remember watching and thought he was a really good player is, is Brett Robish. He was a big man kind of in yeah. those lost years between the 95 Final Four and then the the Gottlieb and Mason. He was kind of in between those two eras. And he was a transfer, him and his brother uh, transferred from Illinois. And he was a really good big man. Really good. He was one of the better big men they had they had in that stretch. That's a name that just popped into my head, but he's certainly not as good as, as an Adrian Peterson. I think actually Victor Williams, Dave bringing him up, I think he would be on there. We're going, we're, we're going back to 19, what was Eddie's first year? 90, 91, whatever it was. We're going back to like just the Eddie era and, and onward. Uh, I think I think Brooks Thompson Ooh. will end up being on the list. My first Brooks Thompson has to be. I mean, he, he's almost he, like time has made him underrated because he was yeah. kind of before that Final Four run too. Right. But my first favorite player and the the reason I wore number five growing Cor- up playing Corey basketball. Corey Alexander. Corey Williams. Corey Williams. I'm thinking of uh, Darwin Alexander. Yeah, and uh, Chad Alexander maybe too. Maybe. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of Alexander. He hit the game winner against Missouri, I believe. Chad Alexander played football, didn't he? Uh, There's a Chad Alexander that played basketball. I know, but I think he played both. He was like the the lesser RWM quarters. He played football? He was like our size. I'm making stuff up. I don't know. Did he play kicker? A <laughs> 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 little guy. <laughs> but no, uh, Corey Williams comes to mind. A lot of those guys from the early Eddie years probably. But, but I mean, the... Adrian Peterson's a great call. That's yeah. the one that I think is probably the best call. But you guys have got a good list going already. And Mo Baker, Mo Baker's t- right up there with with uh, Adrian Peterson as well. Mo, Mo Baker was sick. I think a great what if is what if, and I don't, I'd have to go back and look at it. But what if Adrian Peterson had redshirted and been on the the two thousand team? Because oh, his yeah. his last year was uh, was was ninety nine, and that was a really good team. But the 2000 was the special one. That was with Glendon Alexander. That was with Brian Montnani. Obviously, uh, Yanzian and Gottlieb and Mason. You throw Peterson in there, and 
I don't know that that Florida OSU Elite Eight game might might look a little different. Absolutely. Joe and what Atkins. if his name what if his name wasn't Adrian Peterson? I know. I know. Is he That's, overshadowed a little just because of that? <laughs> for sure. Dave mentioned that in his. It's going to be like a nine thousand word post because we're just trading like six hundred word emails every other day. Uh, so it'll be fun. But uh, yeah, we got that. We've got. A ton of content planned for the week. You and I are going to be back, um, maybe in and out. I don't know if we're both going to be together throughout the week, but we're going to have uh, we're going to have more guests. We got Marshall Moses lined up. We got uh, Chad Weiberg coming on. So we've got we got plenty of guests lined out for the rest of the week and then into next week. We're gonna we're gonna keep pumping stuff out. And again, thanks to Dave Hunzacker for coming on. And I will talk to you soon, Carson. Sounds good.